Welcome to GERT, conversations about architecture, entrepreneurship and life. We are proud to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land, to recognise their ongoing connection to country, land and waters that were never ceded, and to pay our respect to Elders, past and present. Your hosts are Monique Woodward, Director of Wawawa Architecture, Mother to Cleo, Recording on Wurundjeri Country in Melbourne, and Nick Brunson, Principal and Creative Director of Nick Brunson, Father to Bo and Minnie, who's in Perth recording on Wajuk Noongar Buja. Mon and Nick are celebrated industry thought leaders. Both have won the Australian Institute of Architects National Emerging Architect Prize and are Dulux Study Tour Prize winners. They bring candour and vulnerability to conversations about creativity and personal expansion. Please enjoy. Today's guest is Anna Ross, the powerhouse entrepreneur behind the vegan, cruelty-free beauty brand Castle Black. Anna is a global leader championing a more sustainable beauty and fashion industry with her colourful range of uh, nail polishes and lipsticks. Anna is a Telstra Businesswoman uh, of the Year winner, a fellow B Corp lover and circular economy advocate. With ethics at the forefront, Kester Black experimented with a 28-hour work week jammed into four days to give their team a glorious day off and is excited to chat to us about the lessons and takeaways from this experience. So welcome, Anna. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Very nice to be here with you both. So essentially, I saw on the ABC that, yeah, people doing this like day off thing, it's COVID, you know, lockdown in Melbourne, everyone feels like they're kind of losing their shit right now. And so I'm like, okay, we need to do something um, as a morale boost. And then I saw you on this video talking about it. And I was like, damn, we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so just uh, take it away. What did you learn? What what worked? What didn't work? What should we be avoiding? It was so fascinating. Like I tried to put this into my business a number of years ago and I did it for a few years. Like we, we gave it a real crack. And what I found was um, so, so people didn't want to be paid less. They wanted to still earn their full-time wage, but they didn't want, uh, they were also wanted free time. So we did this 38 hour week in a four day so that everybody then would get Friday off. And the one thing that I learned, um, or that I thought was important early on was not to force people to do it. So, I did manage to get most of the staff to do it, but then I had one staff member who didn't want to do it and she only worked a half day on Friday. So she she still got Friday afternoon off and that's how she wanted to do it. And I thought, well, that's important, you know, flexible working hours you choose. So with the other staff that did do the four days, I was quite good in the start. Like I would actually take Fridays off and do things for me. I did all my appointments on Fridays Sometimes I did a little bit of work over the weekend, but I love doing that because then nobody responds to my emails. So I think I've got on top of things for a couple of days <laughs> until everybody gets back on Monday. So it was all sort of going well for a short period. And then what I found that um, all the staff that were doing the four days a week went and got another job on Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> so they just worked five days anyway. <laughs> So it was really fascinating because I was like, who wouldn't want to have a three-day weekend? Because now I almost think that's the dream, right, to work part-time is my dream. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so, what, what, so, what's, what, so what's changed, if anything has changed, between that experiment and where you are now? 
oh, now we just work seven days. (laughs) 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 I've got a lot of catching up to do because I did a lot of wasting time at the start of my business. So um, it's changed quite a lot, though, because we don't really have staff. So uh, my partner and I, Fergus, uh, we're the only two employees and we do have a part-timer here in New Zealand and she just works um, 20 hours a week and actually she's she structures her hours in a way that suits. So if it's a great snow day, which um, it will be tomorrow because we're getting 50 centimetres of snow tonight, she obviously it's the weekend so she won't uh, work tomorrow. But if, it, if there's a day where the snow is going to be good, she comes and does it really early and then she goes skiing. So it makes it much easier to not have to worry about having staff work hours. And we've actually pretty much turned our whole business into um, contractors. I really love contractors because uh, there are more risks involved in it, I guess. But if we're hiring freelancers, we get these incredible, talented staff, essentially staff, that are driven to do the work in hours that suit them. So they're actually more motivated, I found. So we've got this incredible graphic designer, an incredible copywriter, and they both just get shit done because it's their own business. And if they don't impress me, we'll find somebody else. So there's more <laughs> accountability in the contractor setup. It, it works for some things. It works for some things and it doesn't work for other things. <laughs> Okay, so let's just backtrack for two seconds because I love I love an honest conversation. So I love you know <laughs> yeah. this whole thing, right? Let's just go back and um, maybe describe your business in the moment that you tried this crazy experiment, and then you know how I many think, staff did you have? Yeah, I think we had five staff. Yeah. We had a an office in Collingwood, a really beautiful three story office building in Collingwood. We had. Um, five staff and everybody was on the books pretty much we had everybody in house and what I learned from that experience was I'm an atrocious manager (laughs) so I feel really sorry for half of my staff that worked for me in those early days because I just wanted to be doing the product design and the development I didn't I didn't I didn't know that having a team meant getting another full-time job on top of the job that you already had. So I I found that really, really difficult. Yeah, kind of. And I'd never had a real job, right? (laughs) So I never learned management skills. I didn't do the corporate thing. I kind of started my business early. I I did have jobs, but they weren't in kind of corporate environments. There was no good leadership. I didn't really have anybody to look up to, so I didn't learn good management skills and then I pretty much started my business at 22 or something. I so, think I read that you worked for the Melbourne brand Life with Bird. Is that right? No, but no. I, I made jewellery and sold it to them. Oh, no, I did do my internship there. So I I, I did free work there for a year, <laughs> but I didn't get paid by them. <laughs> How did you win Businesswoman of the Year? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So back, so you had five staff, you were running, you know, setting up this incredible, um, you know, incredible business. I'm just such a huge fan of yours. Um, and you know, we were going to design your office back in the day. Um, you know, yeah, just huge, huge fan. And so 
there was obviously um, a catalyst for it. Like why, I mean, obviously a pandemic for me is like a huge reason. Um, And, you know, Mm. I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, uh, research into kind of um, that, you know, sustained stress kind of ignites like an inflammatory response in your body and just seeing that, yeah, each of the team have these kind of like, whether it's that they're starting to get migraines all the time or they're starting to, um, you know, get this out and the other thing and, you know, trying desperately from an OHS perspective to kind of help them be like, okay, maybe you use the left-handed mouse, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it just kind of feels as though, um, you know, a more holistic approach is needed. And so I just wanted to do something kind of drastic. And, um, but yeah, so what was the reason um, for you starting? And then, yeah, how long did it go for? And then, I mean, so I've written a letter that's basically like, hey, you know, these are some like serving suggestions of what you could do on your day off. These are, um, you know, because I put it out on Instagram before I'd worked it out because I always crowdsource Mm -hmm. things to be like, what are are we actually (laughs) doing? You know, because then a lot of people were like, okay, what are your metrics for success? How are you going to measure this? And, you know, we've sort of now from that gone, okay, we're going to, we're doing a trial. It's going to be three months. We're going to do a satisfaction survey at the start and then each month. Um, but yeah, like, I guess like what, yeah, like what, did you do it in a kind of scientific way or yeah. Well, just, can I, can I also say as well, like, cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting here as a, well, an observer, an impartial observer, kind of, you know, seeing both of you, like Anna, you're saying you went through this four day journey and it bombed and failed. Mon going through this journey as a test case right now. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was quite timely because, you know, you've got Scotland that's just gone in, who's just said that they're going hard at it. You've got a whole bunch of other countries that they're following suit. Um, <clears throat> I, I was just in a meeting today, oh, yesterday, where someone was saying that they're taking doing it through their whole business as well. So it's obviously quite timely. It's obviously quite pandemic-driven, but we've got someone who's at the start of the journey being Mon and Wawawa going through this thing and someone who's done the journey and come out the other side and said, nah. And so is it is it about the type of business you're running or the industry you're in or the global circumstance or has the conversation moved like Anna would you try it again or you just think it's something that isn't right or is it that you're just that your best fit for your business is actually it's not actually a discussion around mental health and four-day week it's just that the best fit for your business is to be lean and controlled and have two people at the head and then outsource those you know tasks as you said marketing and graphic design to other people like when you're saying that, I was thinking about. Um, so my look, this has turned into just a giant soliloquy rather than a question. Um, <clears throat> I remembered um, as you're saying that. I remembered uh, you know what do you, when you think of Nike, like what, what are they known for? They're known as like a marketing company that sells shoes, but they don't actually have an internal mm-hmm. marketing department. They like outsource that, you know, which is because they go look where. We make the product, but we need someone else to tell us how to do the marketing. And those people who can tell us how to do the marketing are the best because that's all they do. So let's not bring that stuff in-house. Let's keep that out, out of out of house. Mm-hmm. So anyway, my question is, you know, through this, how many what learnings do you think you could give to Wawa? Do you think it'll work? Would you ever go back there? Or do you think that it's just that you've just kind of reframed and changed your business to suit where you think you are you're at currently? No, I think um well let's go back to the catalyst. Let's go back to the catalyst because I was running a pretty cool business back before 2016 when I won the Telstra Business Awards. So I had one staff member. We totally did the four-day work week and it was a, a raging success, which is why I wanted to keep trying to implement it going forward. Um, it was easy with us, with just the two of us. We were totally aligned. We both did yoga teacher training at the same time. We both were into meditation. 
So we would have um, 40 minutes off during the work day to, to meditate. It was both re- It was really important to both of us to make sure that we were happy and healthy in work and work was just a vehicle for us to, you know, express our creativity and earn some money. And that was amazing. It was the best working relationship with anybody I've ever had. And that's why I won the Telstra Business Awards because we were small, we were doing everything cool, everything was fantastic. And then um, I went through that awards program and I had gone to Bali to do my yoga teacher training course and I got Giardia and I became very sick and I'd just become a vegan. And so my iron was low. I got an, an, an infection overseas and I got chronic fatigue syndrome. So kind of from 2016 moving forward, life has just been a bit harder and it's really hard to explain to somebody what that's like and to run a business when you've got like a chronic illness. And sometimes it totally goes away. And I know that lots of people that have CSF will say um, you can't get rid of it, but I absolutely have proven uh, when I eat really well and and look after myself, it, it minimizes significantly. It doesn't always go away. So then when uh, I got some like credibility as a business person, I thought I needed to become something much better than I was. I had like this ego thing where I had to um, live up to the story that people had put around me because I wasn't really a business person. Like, let's be honest, I was like 20 something. Oh yeah, I was like 28, just faffing around, like fumbling my way through having this business. And so then I thought maybe the measure of a success was how much money we made, revenue, not profit, because I didn't even understand my books and how much staff I had and how flash my office was. And so they were the key drivers for me moving forward. And that was so wrong. And it took me a few years to work it out. And um, I wanted to be, I wanted this like great way of having worked in a really organic, natural way with my first staff member to like push through and be this like major success story of this, this part-time thing. It was also really early on when we were doing the four-day work week. And what I have noticed during this pandemic is um, the girls that work freelance for me and that are still in Melbourne are having like breakdowns. They're, they're just so fatigued. They There's almost nothing else to do than work. So they just keep working and they do work on the weekends. And, and I do that because I'm a business owner and I've I know there's a cost to doing that. And I know that the cost is my health. <laughs> so I make that decision when I do that. But I've kind of been doing it for years, playing with fire, I think. Whereas it's changing and I think it will become the way of the future. Absolutely. I think it would work if we if we did it again. But um, just in this little period of growth for our business, it doesn't really work. So I have a staff member at the moment. Well, she's not on our books, but she's a contractor and she doesn't really work Fridays. She just works two hours on a Friday. And we've got this sustained period of four or five weeks where we're doing this capital raise. And so she's working a couple of extra hours on a Friday. And that's okay for her because actually she puts her health first and she really looks after herself. So it's not too much of an imbalance. Whereas I feel like it was a cult. It was a, it was a, it was a global thing. There has to be this major change in perception of what success looks like. And and I guess the, the type of staff that I had were really 
driven to just make as much money as they could. And money was the focus. But I, if I went back and interviewed those staff now, I reckon health would be their number one focus. Because when you start to lose it, that's something that you don't take for granted. Well, do you know, chronic fatigue is like, um, I actually, I had chronic fatigue syndrome, but like really young, like when I was 11 or 12, something like that. And it was, mm-hmm. it, it coincided with a period where I was really, really not enjoying high school and I was actually being bullied. <clears throat> and it was my body kind of going, nah, you're not going to school. Not today, not tomorrow, not for a term, not for two terms. And I was out, like I just didn't go to school for like, almost yeah. half a year and it was you know like trying to protect my mental yeah. health my body going no we're just we're not functioning today or tomorrow or until you do something to kind of look after those yeah. things Absolutely. and you know and that's <clears throat> to me that was a really yeah. interesting thing in hindsight because you know like when you're in doctor's offices or you know trying to get diagnoses it's always just like no this is what you got and you're like well why how and that's never that's never now nothing ever is ever, ever said about that but it's like in retrospect as an adult looking back yeah. on my you know, preteen or teen self kind of going, oh, right, obviously, you know, those two things coincided. But, you know, like <clears throat> it's, it's you know, it was just I'm guessing that you've been on that health journey of understanding that, you know, as you said, when you eat well and look after yourself, then you're in a better position to actually kind of do better in business in whatever place and form that that takes. Like I don't know, I, I'm the same. I I meditate every day at lunchtime and it totally set like I just did I was like really pressed for time but like I made sure I jumped in and did 10 minutes before I jumped into this just because I was like I want to be in the mm-hmm. right space I've got to do this properly and like, like if I didn't do that I wouldn't I'd still be stressed for everything I was doing before and blah 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 but um I, don't, I just I, I find that stuff really interesting just the link between the body yeah, no, I, and I had the it mind. too <clears throat> I had it too I was doing overnighters uh, for the architecture job that I had as a student and then doing overnighters, like I was a bit of a party girl. And so, you know, the, the two things combined and, of course, you know, it meant that I had to take like a whole semester off uni and yeah. things like that. So I think that so many people have that, you know, stress response um, and that yeah. I think you're just not trained, you know, haven't been trained until you you have some awareness that you, you know, you you uncover yourself that actually these things are correlated and so... I mean, I guess one of the uh, things that I've written in this letter is y- you cannot get another job. Like, you know, if you get another job, yeah. then you're, you're um, I mean, how this works from a legislative, you know, kind of, uh, you know, big corp contractual thing, I guess we're, we're just going to need to figure that out. You know, our, our practice manager is, um, you know, flipping out right now, <laughs> trying to work out the le- legality of it all. But yeah, like that if you were to get another job, then essentially you would just be then paid. Like that would be a change in your contractual arrangements and that you yeah. would then essentially only be paid for four days. Um, and yeah, so I guess like, did you ever yeah, but chat what, to people? But what, what I'm hearing is this is all like preventative steps. Like, you know, that what, mm-hmm. it's not about the ideal business form. It's about taking preventative steps that help you and your employees or, or your contractors or whoever mm-hmm. you However, whatever you know, you think you need to do mm. to actually kind of create yeah. the business and create the enterprise and the way. Yeah, because I want everyone to to have a day off and like to have um, to take that time for themselves. And um, you know, I think as a practice, we've always had a level of flexibility. You know, we call them Mexico days because we always, you know, wanted to. Um, you know, everyone to kind of feel like they were on a little mini holiday when they had their doona day or their mental health day or whatever. Um, and then these are called magic days because Nick and I are magic hunters. <laughs> um, and, you know, the letter sort of outlines the difference between, you know, 
um, what are essentially sick days, so Mexico days and magic days, and that, yeah. um, you know, to try and make that distinction very, very clear. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how. I, I think if we had done that, that would have worked. But I didn't, I was too young then, and I didn't really think about it before we did it. It was just something that we were kind of doing <laughs> because I was my own boss and why not? There was not really much thought put into it. And so if you make that into the contract and people actually take it off, I think 100% it will drive more productivity. It'll be better for your staff. There's there's so many good things about it, which is why we tried it for so long. I think we did it for like two or three years. And then I was just like, oh, God, I can't be bothered. Because I was forcing people to do something they didn't want to do, which was why it was really hard for me. And I was like, well, I can't force you to take a day off if you don't want to, you know, and it was, it was really difficult, but I do want to like loop back around because this meditation thing is so important. And I have been on this epic health journey ever since essentially trying to understand my body. And about three years ago, um, I went to like some woo woo healer <laughs> and got a spiritual healing and Amazing. my hands the next day, well, um, blistered and burnt. I've got photos of it. <laughs> and cool. I was like, what? No, I don't believe in any of this shit. Like I'm really um, skeptical. And and I was like, something, something just had changed for me. And I don't know what it was, but it was like totally trauma leaving my body. And then I ran into this group that I uh, appear that had a business that was similar to mine. Our accountants put us in touch and they were going to a meditation retreat. And I said, oh yeah, I'll come. I'd, I'd been doing TM for years, for about four years before this. So I ended up like cancelling my trip to New Zealand for Christmas. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So I'm very skeptical. I don't believe in woo-woo, but I've been doing transcendental meditation for four years. Oh, yeah, but that's not woo-woo. That's not woo-woo. That's just sitting down doing nothing. What you mean? That's visiting <laughs> higher planes in other dimensions. I don't. I never got to any higher planes there. <laughs> Maybe I was doing it wrong. <laughs> transcendental, the, the key's in the title. That is so funny. Um, anyway. I I had I have met I have met a um a mind reader what do you call them a psychic and I was like yeah bullshit I've tested him about ten times he's the real deal <laughs> but man I put him through the ringer to make sure he was um so I went uh, one to this, of like, my, three weeks uh, one of our most recent one of our most recent guests was a is a white witch that we had on just whatever two or three episodes ago so don't worry you're you're I'm amongst t- friends here it's okay. I'm totally like open to all this stuff now, but what I got was I sat down for three weeks, silent, not allowed to look at anybody in the face. And I had this huge scar on my leg because I fell over when I was a kid. And by the end of the meditation retreat had gone. And I have at times, because they were doing eight hours a day meditation at that point, right? And then after that, I I kept it up for about two hours a day. It always sort of drops off. We go on another retreat and then um, we keep it up for a really long time. So I do at least an hour a day at the moment, two hours if I just get really stressed. And that has been the single most important thing that's happened to me in my life to, to stop burnout. And the reason why I can push myself to the limit and work seven days a week for short periods of time, you know, like for a month or two months at a time is because I spend an hour looking after myself every single day meditating. Amazing. So I think that you've got to like educate your staff around the importance of, of healing and their health. And it really all comes down to exactly what you were saying, Nick, about the body. It's all about the body. The body's trying to tell you something. If you're having, if you're having um, headaches, 
that's that you've got to stop whatever it is that's causing them. And often it's just to have enough of a break to look after yourself and check out for a while. And it's, you know, a lot of the times it's only triggered by, as you said, like health crises or, you know, these kind of things that you start, you know, looking in, you look into it. But I don't know, I found as I've got older, I've started to take more preventative and proactive steps rather than like reactive, you know, like responding to certain things. And that's because I've got young kids and I chase them around and they destroy my back. And, you know, I also want to be around for all, as much of their <laughs> life as possible. But you also start to kind of learn to listen to yourself and hear the early warning signs or know, yeah. like, you know, how your body responds to things. And yeah, I don't know, all that sort of stuff. Like I, I've, yeah, I'm, I've been vegan for the last six months, um, which has been, I thought was going to be really hard and has been one of the easiest things that's ever I've ever done. Just because it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where you just kind of like it's yeah. not, maybe it's not for everyone, but it was just like one of those little kind of click, oh, yeah, right, okay, my body really fucking loves this. Let's get this going. Or another one was like I gave up coffee yeah. about I think almost eight years ago and it was just one of those things where I recognised that I had an unhealthy dependency on it and I thought it was this stimulant that was helping me throughout the day. but It was actually like mm-hmm. a kind of a depressant that would like kind of really stuff up my digestion and like kind of mess up my kind of natural you know open receptiveness to kind of like you know be in the moment and kind of you know respond to things and I was also completely fucking addicted to it and you know I hate being dependent or like beholden to anything so yeah Mm -hmm. I don't know it's 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 so it's so interesting and it's one of those things that I kind of I'm excited about getting older to learn more about like that stuff and myself and how I can kind of you know keep getting better like yeah like being depressed about aging is just kind of like I've I know every year is better than the last one just because you know more and you're getting better at understanding, you know, at piloting this car. So, you know, it's it's great. Oh, yes to all of the above <laughs> because I've never drunk coffee. I've been trying to get into it for years and I just, ugh, gives me heart palpitations and I I can drink it sometimes, but I might have it once a month or something, not very often. And... Um, and I'm so lucky that my um, partner, Fergus, he has history in um, a previous career before he came to work for me in medical research. So we both loved, um, and he was a competitive bike racer in Melbourne, and he was um, riding for a little team called Pat's Veg, and they were like the development team for Drapac Cycling, which is a pretty, um, like Australia's best cycling team I guess pro cycling team and they did it on this um whole gut health kind of aspect so they wanted holistic riding because either if you become a professional rider and you like just do that and then you burn out when you're 25 because your body's ruined right so he was always really interested in health and fitness and we uh read a lot of white papers on you know meat and dairy and all these sorts of things and um Intermittent fasting was something that we played with for a long time. Well, for probably about two and a half years now. And we've, we do intermittent fasting for 24 hours a day. So, so Fergus had um, celiac disease, couldn't eat um, wheat gluten, I guess. And then we looked into this intermittent fasting. So we went vegan first and then we became intermittent fasting. We only eat for one hour a day, still the same amount of calories. So you're still getting, you know, one and a half or 2000 calories. Um, but just eating it in a shortened period of time. And that was probably one of the biggest things that stopped that and meditation at the same time. Um, That's how I got over my chronic fatigue and I had gut issues and they all sort of just ironed out because a a Chinese doctor told me, um, acupuncturist 
said, oh, if you stop eating, you will actually give your digestive system a break. And digestion is one of the things that requires the most amount of energy in your body. Mm. So if you just do that less, if you digest less, then you'll have more energy. And I just tested it out for a while and it worked. And we're totally, I mean, there's so many studies on it. There's studies on um, people with cancer doing intermittent fasting. And so what happens is your body goes into the state of autophagy, which means cell repair rather than cell regeneration, like, sorry, renewal. Um, So instead of like you're, instead of like, building new DNA, you just repair the existing DNA that you've got. And when you do intermittent fasting, there's obviously much less um, glucose going through your bloodstream and glucose is what feeds cancer. So they've had people with terminal cancer, like totally get rid of all of their cancer through fasting. So there's like all these really cool health hacks. We're totally into this like biohacking stuff. And I feel like it's just such an un... Like uh, there's so much to discover in that and it's so exciting to to read all of these things and, you know, it's like a bit of a pastime to read white papers. Everybody else would find that quite boring, but that's what we do on the weekends. (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. No, but I love that so much because it seems so, you know, it it is surprisingly on brand, right? Like, you know, you're engaging (laughs) with, you know, ethics and being experimental and, um, you know, wanting to be this sort of trailblazer and, um, in this space. And even though you were quite young when you won, you know, a lot of those awards, I think that, um, you know, I, I feel as entrepreneurs, there's this desire to keep things fresh and to keep learning and almost like an insatiable, um, need. I mean, in a way that's what this podcast is about. Like, teach me, teach me like guest, what, what should we be doing and what changes should we make? And, um, you know, and, 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 and so that's why we're not talking to architects. Yeah. But I love what you're doing. Cause it's like, I read another great quote the other day. It was uh, Helen Keller that said, um, life is either a great adventure or nothing at all. And like the, that kind of, you know, that's what you're doing with like biohacking and, you know, all this experimentation is like exactly that. You're kind of like, well, fuck it. Who knows? But let's try and, you know, let's, you know, read the research, do the thing, try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't yeah. work. Move on. And mom, this was almost like our first podcast with Dave it was like, well, you know, let's try it. Let's see what this becomes. Let's do something. Let's take a leap of faith and I think like my ultimate goal has changed so much like doing this this little business person to entrepreneur to um you know like I really struggled going through this brand building exercise where I was supposed to become some sort of Instagram influencer (laughs) not me and I found that public speaking was really hard and it was draining and so I stopped doing all the stuff that I didn't actually really like doing but I thought was important and what I really want to do, like my ultimate goal in life, is to like have enough money to build a house and then I'm going to grow my own veggies and I'll rescue a few more cats and I'll grow a food forest and I'll kind of just do that. I'll just be meditating, running, <laughs> skiing, and that's all I want to do. <laughs> so, so amazing. Like, it's, it's the goal, right? Like that's just, yeah. that's the dream. That's the, yeah, the conversation that we had last week was um, what's enough, like defining enough and then just sort of saying what are these new goals, what are the parameters? And I think that, um, you know, if if not now, then when, like, are you going to get clear on those? You know, you're talking about your Christmas goals and your Christmas goals were like one personal goal and one professional goal for all your staff. 
and you know that's great because you've got the professional goal because that ties into the direction that the company's trying to take then you also get, create space for each person employee to like create an own personal goal and maybe their personal goal might be i don't want to be employed by why in 12 months time but you know you'll help them <laughs> help them along yeah. on that journey well, to get fair, right yeah exactly i mean we just became really popular given that now everyone wants a day off and we've had a lot of cv you know it's only been up for a few days we've had a lot of um yes cvs come through but um but i guess the thing <laughs> is that um anna you are kind of uh, instagram uh, you know by being authentic it it is actually the pathway to being an influencer. Like you do have sixty two thousand followers on your Kester Black um, handle. Yeah, right? that's not me. I won't take any credit for any of that though. My following's like a couple of hundred maybe, and I don't post anything. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but I guess as an entrepreneur, you set the tone for. I mean, it's the same as um, you know, Wawawa Instagram versus my personal one. Like we we don't yeah. really get um, that many comments and things from. I mean, we get a lot of comments, but not many DMs on the on the wall one. But then my on my personal, it's all like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah that people know where to chat to you or what mechanism you train people to actually engage with you on. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm so excited to see how this is going to work for you because it's so important. But I really feel like there is an education piece that has to come with it around and that those goals, the personal professional goals are so great because it's like a concept I've never heard of. <laughs> it should just be standard, you know. <laughs> it's pretty wild. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just trying to train myself to not be like I always am, which is like I hear about a shiny new thing and I'm like, ooh, shiny new thing, let's do that. And so, like, you know, I'm hearing four-day work yeah. week, you know, professional, yeah. professional goals. I'm like I'm just trying to stop myself and, like, circulate it with the team and, you know, talk to my other directors and, okay, is this the right thing to do? How are we going to do it rather than just going, four-day work week, everyone, you know? So it's, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, maybe, again, I get to see. Yeah, because yeah, you need enablers, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need it. I mean, it was that funny thing that I, you know, watched on the ABC that night. Next morning I woke up, I'm like, Scott, like, we've got to do this. And he's like, yeah. Sure. As long as I can go for a ride on Wednesdays and yeah, we're down. And so, um, and so one of the other things I wanted to ask you was, did you do it all in one day and just lock down, you know, the studio all in one day or did you stagger it out? For me? Uh, well, when we first started doing it, so stupid. Um, I was like, let's take Wednesdays off. <laughs> what? Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, anyway, and then we did that for, I don't know, seven or eight months. And we're like, well, why don't we take Fridays off? <laughs> it was like, so yeah, but I mean, there was only two of us, so we both just didn't come in. So it was really easy. I just wanted to make sure that my staff were never stressed. You know, like I've always had this philosophy in business where I expect my staff to be there when it's busy and then need to perform, but I don't want them taking work home with them at all. And when they need to be there and perform, it's probably for like two weeks of the whole year. So there needs to be this give and take. Well, the one thing that I sort of struggled with was um, then then advertising that really attracted attracted people who weren't willing to like put in an extra hour on a day when you might be busy. Yeah, once right. A year, yeah. You know, so it became a bit of a. Yeah. You got to be clever about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, I think it would be hard to just sort of close the office um, on you know, one day and have everyone off. And so I guess, yeah. um, you know, our initial intuition was like, well, you know, 
if you did it as a trial for three yeah. months and then, you know, maybe everyone could have a Friday for one of the months, but actually then you'd mix it in with Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And then, you know, yeah, say if there sense. was a, some sort of client emergency, um, you know, someone would be there to, you know, and then you would sort of partner. I mean, most of our projects are sort of in partners anyway. So if, if someone goes on holidays, not that you can go on holidays now, but, you know, if, if you were away or there's almost like a support person for each of the, the projects. So I think that, um, yeah. you know, we're wanting um, to curate the client experience as much as, you know, our team's experience. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, like we should have totally thought about doing it like that. But, I mean, when we were so small we could get away with it. Mm. But that is probably one of the reasons why we haven't really initiated it again because somebody's got to be at work Monday to Friday. So if we had a bigger team that is and we were going to do it again, that's how we would do it. And one of the things that we realized was actually, you know, we have a team of 13, but only it only actually affects seven people because um, the other half of the team are already part-time. So you've, we've got a lot of mums, um, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've got a student, uh, we've got, you know, um, our BDM and practice manager, you know, they, they sort of job share. And so, yeah, if you're sort of thinking about it as actually you're only sort of scheduling in seven people um, and then... Um, I think it makes it a tiny bit easier than, you know, I can't even imagine trying to, the HR nightmare of doing this for like 160 people or something. Oh, yeah. I feel like if you, if you've got a big business though, that's what you're doing at the moment. Like I was speaking to somebody who has a warehouse and they pack and send goods, right? In Melbourne. So they've got to do the COVID safe plan where they've got to have half the team on in the morning, deep clean, half the team on in the afternoon, got to have them alternating because if one person gets a case, then they've got, all got to isolate so then they lose half of their team. So, like, it's something that's in the forefront of people's minds now to think about how the scheduling is going to work because you're going to have to well, find Mon, a way you know, and you're talking if, you, about, if you all need to be in the office. You're talking about worrying about, you know, firms of 160 people. Like, you've got whole countries doing this. So it's like, you know, it's all possible. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, what's your yeah. upper limit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's you like, know, it's your like imagination. everything. Yeah, but it's like everything. You've got to be prepared to fail. Like, you know, I've, when mm. uh, when Anna was talking about her business before, I was also just reflecting on mine. Like, and last week I was thinking, I think I'm in about like the fourth or fifth iteration of my business now, like clear iteration. Like, I've, you know, like mm. kind of going through all these phases of like trying a thing, it not working or, you know, thinking about trying something else or phase of life changes or scale of work changes or, you know, way that you want to present yourself changes or whatever it becomes changes. And, you know, each thing is a learning process that mm -hmm. takes you to another place. Like Anna, where you are now is like I, I had that sort of form of the business like five years ago and it was right for me at that phase of time, but it's not right for me now. Now I'm like I'm all staff and mm -hmm. everyone's on the books and we're all kind of here together and we're, you know, we're 14 people and, you know, it kind of, it works a lot better for where we are right now, but there might be a point in the future where I go back to the sort of place where you yeah, are. Because <laughs> not what? in lockdown. Oh yeah, we're okay. Sure. But you know. <laughs> I just said in Perth, not in lockdown. <laughs> you, so you, you think, you think this has all got to do because I'm in, uh, with, because I'm in Perth, not because I'm an amazing architect. <laughs> I'm just so jealous. I, th I think you're being very mean. Yeah, I know you're jealous, but as I said, as I said before, you've had you know, like you've had plenty of chances to get over here. Yeah, if we if we sort of like, I know that the scaling of my business will, will require quite a lot of change. Yeah. So we've been writing the job descriptions for all the people that we're going to hire on the books. You know, so yeah. it's totally like absolutely. I've never heard anybody put it in that like business 
iterations though. I always seem to think it's like some major pivot. I guess it is. They're the same thing, but I've never really thought about it like that. (laughs) You'll do this and then you'll do this for a while and then something will happen and you'll do something else and, you know, it'll just, it'll just keep, it always changes. It just keeps moving. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a good jumping off point, Anna. Tell us about where you're at. You talk about cap, you're talking about capital raising and, uh, you know, that you're kind of now writing jobs descriptions for roles that aren't, don't exist yet. Well, that you're exist making, you're bringing into existence by writing the descriptions for. So, obviously, you're about to move out of this phase of business of you know just you and Fergus and mm-hmm. some contractors. You're obviously already looking to the future in a bigger form. So, where, where are you going? Where's what's the journey? Where where are you heading? Big, big. So we're going to do this capital raise. We're looking for two or three million dollars, and then. Um, we're going to spend a lot of it on digital marketing and we're going to really build this marketing machine, I guess. We'll bring in a few more people and I will be doing more product development. We're just It just frees up capital for us to be able to spend more money on product. You know, every time we place an order because we manufacture in Europe, we're spending $100,000 and we need mm. 100,000 euros. So we need 50,000 euros up front and then like seven months later we might see the stock. <laughs> you know, so it's like it's a it's a Ouch. capital game. It's not a cash yeah. flow. Well, I guess it is tied into cash flow, but it's hard. <laughs> so yeah, big big growth. You know, like you look at any other brand. That GoTo is a great example. They started at the same time that we did, and their company is worth one hundred and sixty six million dollars. <laughs> and Kester Black just like made its first million dollars. You know, and that's the difference between not having money and starting it and just faffing around and wasting time. And and actually, like treating it like a business. So um, maybe if where I start congratulations on the mill. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Where are you looking? Uh, where are you looking at the money from? Where where you uh, where are you raising from? Is it like private investors or you know? Um, no, it's it's real money now. <laughs> I've exhausted yep. them. My mother, <laughs> she said no more. <laughs> so it's um, we're doing crowdfunding, but we're yeah. But we're also looking for a strategic and uh, strategic partners. So, we've, I don't know. We've got maybe 20, 20 sophisticated investors on the on the list, and then there's a lot of customers in there as well, which is pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm really keen to get Zoe on the podcast. <laughs> Zoe, Foster yeah, Blake. she's. Um, well, I think she started ten years. Uh, like she was ten years older than me, so she, I think she started when she was around thirty-ish, thirty-three. And then um, 30, yeah, she must have been about 30. And they started with four founders and they had money. And I just like pushed shit up a hill for many years <laughs> on my own and we didn't have any money. So it kind of shows like if you take it seriously from the start, there's there's good growth potential in it. And that's pretty exciting for the beauty industry because between um, her and Kate Morris and there's another beauty brand called Becca Cosmetics that sold in 2016 for 200 million. You know, like there's a real growth story for beauty brands, which is quite exciting. Yeah, can you imagine selling an architecture practice for that amount of money? No, never, never. Or maybe who knows? Just you know, only limited by your imagination. Um, but I, I'm assuming that exactly. the value we'll manifest it. We will. I'm, I'm imagining that the value, Anna, is because to the bigger brands or to your exit strategy is that because you are developing this 
not niche, but you know, you're doing product development in a kind of highly specialized area that the bigger brands, it's like very hard for them to get in and play in that space. And you're bringing that kind of quite specific IP and authenticity and market validation that a bigger brand looks at you and says, great, it's at the point now where the product is tested, it's viable, I can now take this and scale it up to, you know, the 100 millions and through our global distribution chains and blah, blah, blah. So your exit after a capital raise could be pretty soon and pretty quick. Yeah, it could be, yeah, if, if we want to, which is I just want to keep the Meditation options Meditation retreat so in New Zealand when you when you get there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can. Well, I did just buy, I just was telling Monique, I bought five hectares of, um, get this, you'll love this, of native bush with a 3,600-metre building platform. Amazing. You can't see another house. Oh, awesome. Um, and it's temperate and you look out at the mountains. And guess wow. how much I paid for it? <laughs> I don't know. Don't tell me. Go on. Go on. Go. Do you want to have a guess, Money? Oh, God, I don't even. Like... <laughs> yeah, like 250000 What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Pretty cute. I'm coming to I mean, it's, awesome. like, it's a lot of money, but it's like not compared to Melbourne, you know, not, no, well, not what I'm used to. That's absolutely my wow. dream. Like, so, I mean, really yeah. so good. I know. Mm-hmm. So good. And I've been like, I've been designing this house, thinking of Monique for many years now. I still have like the prospectus that you gave <clears> me, Monique. And I've been looking at all the colors. I've got these Pinterest boards going on. I've even like got all my bird's eye view plans because I wanted to be an architect, right? But I didn't do that. Don't know why. But you were smart. But, um, you were clever. I'm like fully into, I've been researching. <laughs> <laughs> building materials like what kind of paint i'm gonna use <laughs> everything oh my god I amazing and packs. so throughout the whole project i'm gonna come and like live over there i'll just buy the block next to you <laughs> and then so yeah funny. i'll just build my own house at the same time it yeah. was a total dream yeah, you can, because you, I said you, do, you can do some hunting like, for I, me i said um when we find the dream property it won't be on the market, won't be listed. So we we like went up. So it's North Canterbury and we live in Otago. So we drove up. It was like an eight-hour drive. And we looked at this block of land and we loved the people. They just had a they were farmers and they'd subdivided it themselves. So they'd done this like plant development. And they were showing us this block. And I was like, nah. And he goes, We've got another block. We just haven't put it on the market. And I was like, Yeah, show us that one. And yeah. they call it the nudist colony, is like their little <laughs> um name for it. Because nobody can see it's all planted out with all this native bush it's so beautiful and we're like we'll have that one thank you (laughs) so it was just like right time right place wasn't even on the market manifested beautiful i'm so i'm so excited (laughs) yeah i love the power of manifestation right i feel like you know ever since um nick and i have been friends we've just been talking about manifestation (laughs) you know not to be like confused with Toxic prox- uh, positivity that I also get accused yeah. of engaging with. But, um. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I totally believe. Well, um, manifestation works. Here's my, here's my rule for manifestation, right? It works when you don't have an opposing thought. So, like, I want to lose weight and I'm going to eat a tub of ice cream. It doesn't really work when you use it like that, but when you're, like, wholeheartedly involved, in the outcome, it works. <laughs> you can't Pro- have conflicting protein. manifestations. <laughs> <Yeah>. Good hack. 
Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the, the things that you're trying to manifest shouldn't, um, you know, should be coming from, you know, your soul or something. It shouldn't be, um, yeah, sort of just these, um, you know, superfluous dreams that are, <laughs> if I should lose weight, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than a goal around that, right? I know. My goal is definitely health, 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 health. And I mean, losing weight will come with that because I put on 17 kilos, Monique, in lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Like I kind of look the same, but I am not. (laughs) I mean, I didn't even think it was possible, but I did it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Got to roll with the punches. <laughs> you know, but your body, you know, your body carried you through a global pandemic. And I think that that's the thing that um, yeah. that's hard to, yeah. that's, you know, that's easy to forget. Actually, this body has worked for you pretty significantly and you need to honor it. I have just abused it instead because we moved into the CBD right above Hague's and I bought Hague's every single day for a long time, <laughs> you know. Oh but I, I remember, so, I remember so reading I remember reading once that like um, weight or obesity is actually like, again, your inner self trying to protect itself from the outside world. You're creating actual layers of buffer totally. between your true self and your mm-hmm. vulnerable self and, you know, everything around you so like of course it happens in a pandemic you're fucking terrified you know she's yeah. <laughs> she's flying out your river you're yeah. trying to create protection like totally makes sense and also <laughs> if you live also also if you live above a chocolate shop <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no it's absolutely true because i had um i guess like some some pretty serious childhood trauma and um that 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 rule you know that protective mechanism of fat that's so right and you can actually tell what people's trauma is where they store fat on their body like once I started meditating it was it was okay here's this like woo woo thing that happened to you right (laughs) so I was like um in the shower and Fergus was brushing his teeth and I was like I just was thinking about my friend and like, I just think she needs to get divorced from her husband because, you know, they keep fighting all the time. And anyway, like I get out of the shower and I go into the bedroom and I've got a missed call from this friend <laughs> and I call her back. Yeah. She goes, hey, Anna, just wanted to let you know, we've decided that we're going to get a divorce. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> you do become really in, much more intuitive when, especially when you meditate for long periods of time, like three weeks in a row, it, you come out super sensitive super sensitive like i can't be in the city if i've just done that it's too much like the people they're all nuts (laughs) you know like just lots of people not knowing their own issues running around in a confined space is kind of the vibe projecting onto you or or clashing into your stuff and it just becomes completely scrambling Mm -hmm. yeah i've changed a lot since i started like meditating properly i think so I'm kind of, I'm really curious about this meditation, like long, you know, I guess mass scale meditation. Maybe I'll put that in my letter. Everyone has to start meditating. They'll be like, we're all quit. (laughs) (laughs) That'll turn you into a cult leader like that overnight. So just, you know, maybe don't. (laughs) I'm going to start dressing differently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe I need some sort of caftan situation. (laughs) I don't know. Oh um, man, I've got this, like, I've got this Instagram that I need to, I'll send it to you, but it was like, 
um, Larry the Guru or something. God, the only reason, tell you what, the only reason why I started TM Meditation was because I was sold it was a cult and I'd never joined one before. And my friend was like, do you want to go? And I was like, it's a cult. I'm definitely coming. So that's why I actually started meditation with TM because I just, there's nothing like a life experience like joining a cult, right? <laughs> yeah, get, a, get around it. <laughs> One of the things that I've um, learned from meditation is that, well, how to how to recognize ideas and beliefs because I'd listen to some, oh, I don't know, people who want to be cult leaders, I would call them, <laughs> gurus, trying to like be self-made gurus saying, you just got to understand your beliefs, but they didn't even really know what they were. And now I understand like so much of, of our life and our culture and sciences science is like a cult and you know they're all just this whole lot of people subscribing to an idea that's a belief system and it's fascinating to like see how many of these systems are in play at the moment and you're talking about you know workplace health and safety right with all of your staff at home and this is like how to how to break people 101 Maybe you, there's one thing you should definitely put on your letter and it's to read that book, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And it's about a, a um, Jewish psychologist who ends up in a concentration camp and he pretty much survives it because he says, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, my situation is what it is and I'm not going to fight it because actually the only reason why your body goes into into like a response, a traumatic response and sustained stress is because there's a resistance to it. So if you take away somebody's freedoms but they don't react, then then they will survive. And that was kind of like one of the most powerful things I've ever read. It's a good link into what you were talking about before. The um, you know, acceptance is transcendence. It's like if you can accept your circumstance, mm. you transcend that circumstance. And I thank you so much for joining us. I um, we appreciate thank it you. so much, and I feel like you know these conversations are always so amazing because they start off as one thing and then they always sort of meander to this really unexpected beautiful place and um yes i would encourage anyone out there that feels um <laughs> excited about having painted nails to get around to your <laughs> beautiful colorful products <laughs> and um, I love <laughs> just a little plug in there for you like get around it get around it you know treat yourself in lockdown and um and um yeah chat soon thank you Anna that was awesome. wonderful thanks so much guys see ya and that's a wrap please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with somebody who needs to hear it Wawawa have been called the masters of delight to check out their colourful work please visit wawawa.com.au and follow on Instagram at wawawaark and Nick Brunson's responsive, inclusive and emotive projects can be seen at nickbrunson.com or on Instagram at the same name our intro and outro music is I'm Blessed from The Manifestation by Chris and Teeve. Until next time, Gert, signing off. Oh, I'm blessed, too blessed to be stressed. Put your faith to the test.